Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Once again, today, we're going to be going back in the archives and pulling out uh, one of your favorite, one of the most popular episodes that we've done from a few years ago and uh, sharing it with you in case you missed it the first time around. This is your chance to redeem yourself. So today we're going to be talking about how to sell yourself as a speaker with Matthew Kimberly. Now, as an expert in sales, Matthew's going to share his masterful approach to speaking for free, why that matters, and also the secret behind his successful business model. Now, you might be thinking... I'm not a salesperson or I don't like to be sales or anything like that. And friends, listen, this is not a problem at all. Don't worry about that. Okay. Matthew's going to share how to build trust and credibility in sales and as a speaker. He has a unique story of establishing trust and, and stature in a competitive industry. And he's here to lend his expertise so you can discover how to set yourself apart. So let's take a step back in the archives here. Let's get to it. Here's my conversation from the past with Matthew Kimberly. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speak Aloud podcast. Today, joined by my buddy, Matthew Kimberly. And uh, you can't see him, but this guy is devilishly handsome. He's got a lovely accent. We're going to have a good time today. So, Matthew, thanks for joining us. First of all, give us a quick snapshot of speaking, how speaking fits into your world. Uh, how much speaking are you doing? Who are you speaking to? And uh, give us all things uh, speaking and how it fits in. Right. So, I was born in Alabama. And I realized that when I spoke with this accent instead, my rates just went through the roof. So now I pretend to be from the UK. Uh, I have a business which provides counsel and advice primarily to small business owners, sometimes around very specific areas like communicating by email and sometimes around more broad areas like setting up a marketing strategy. And I've been speaking for eight years more or less, which is a little bit less than I've been doing this job. Yeah. Uh, and I started speaking, as many do, for free uh, as a way to broadcast or market myself. To this day, and, and the way that speaking is incorporated in my business right now, it is primarily a marketing budget line item. What do you primarily. mean Primarily. I mainly spend money to speak, mainly spend money to speak. Okay. Okay. Primarily. Now it's self-liquidating and uh, also the paid gigs I get, which are probably about 40% of them mm -hmm. do more than make up for the, if we were to just say, you know, speaking versus speaking, speaking for free versus speaking to get paid and the costs involved in traveling to a speaking gig yeah. uh, versus the money that I receive for doing a speaking gig, they balance each other out unfairly. I, I end up net positive now. Yeah. But I have never, ever had a problem. I've never spent money on an ad, for example. 
I've never had a problem with jumping on a plane, attending a conference, speaking to 150 of my premium client base or ideal prospects in order to walk away with business from that, either directly or indirectly. Yeah. I have done selling from the stage. It's not my favorite way to speak. It's uh, a different kind of speaking, which I'll be happy to explore with you if you're interested. Uh, but I, you know, people do business with you based on the amount of trust that you have earned. Yeah. And trust can take a long time to develop at a distance. It can take a long time to develop on the telephone. It can take a long time to develop by email. There are ways to speed up that trust cycle, yeah. but nothing builds trust and credibility and positioning and stature than standing on the stage under the spotlight and presenting for 15 to 90 minutes on yeah. your area of expertise. And I think I've never had a speaking gig um, without that, that, that doesn't have an overt call to action at the end. So mm -hmm. run to the back of the room and buy this course or for one day only you can get this for X instead of Y dollars. Um, regular speaking gigs where I'm invited to talk about what I know, two, three, five people, even in a room of 10, 20 or 30 people will come up to me and say, hey, we must stay in touch because I need you. Right. So that's the way that speaking, also I love speaking, right? Yeah. You know, if, if I live, so here's an interesting thing. I live miles away from the nearest speaking circuit. Yeah. Right. And I'm not yet at the 50K plus international first class flights level of fees. Right. Okay. So I feel, and I might be wrong about this, but I feel that I might be at a disadvantage should I choose to make speaking my 150 day a year activity. If yeah. I wanted to turn speaking into a genuine profit center for my business, I have a feeling, which might be a limiting belief that I would probably need to make some accommodations geographically. Yeah. Either get a base probably in the United States yeah. or alternatively spend a lot more time in the air. And as a father of two young kids, I've not particularly been interested in doing either of those things. Yeah, you open up several things I want to I want to dig into there. Let's talk about the geographical part for a second there, because you um, you are uh, literally on an island. Uh, so give people context of where you are, and then also logistically for travel, what that requires of you. Sure. So I live in Malta, which is a small island in the Mediterranean, due south of Sicily, which is the ball of Italy's boot kicking a ball, and due north of Libya. So if you picture. Um, the continent of Africa go due north from its middle point, and we're a tiny speck in the desert there. It doesn't have direct flights to the United States, which is where most of my audience and most of my speaking gigs take place. So I had a gig in San Diego uh, in October, and that required me to wake up at five in the morning, Malta time, catch a 7 a.m. flight out of Malta International Airport to Munich, which is two and a half hours. Munich, I had to wait for two and a half hours. And then I had to fly. I don't think I even fly directly to San Diego because there's only one European flight out of London. So I probably flew to San Francisco. What's that? Nine hours, 90 minutes in San Francisco, way, yeah. down to San Diego, whatever that is, an hour. Um, and then 28 hours later, I was getting to bed. Right. right? Okay. So I don't want to do that the day before I speak because... Anything could happen, not least I might end up in Munich or San Francisco when I'm meant to be in San Diego. But also jet lag can be a real yeah. grind. Yeah. You know, so so that means I'm gonna add an extra couple of days. Also, I'm not it's highly although I did go to um Australia for two and a half days once, it's highly unlikely that I'm gonna be going to San Diego and coming home the same day that I speak, just because yeah. 
it's crazy. So anytime I do one day speaking in North America, it's going to be three to four nights. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a bigger commitment for you versus, you know, being able to fly in, speak, maybe stick around for an extra day and then fly out. And so it's a one or two night uh, trip versus being gone three, four, five nights for every type of, of gig that you're doing. Um, Absolutely. And the other thing is, Grant, you know, um, very often when clients are prepared to pay for flights, for example, yeah. um, I'm not necessarily going to tell them how much the flight is. I'm going to be offering an all inclusive rate. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be, look, I, I will typically quote today 15K, 15 to 20K. I'll, I'll settle on a pint of lager and a handshake if I want to do the gig, you know, but I would typically quote that. And, and I would say, but the great thing is that's all flights included and I'll get my way there. Now, a long trip like one to San Diego, I don't want to be sitting in coach if yeah. I have to speak the next yeah. day. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to be four to five, maybe $6,000 to get yeah. me across the Atlantic in the front of the plane. Yeah. Yep. Uh, starts to get very expensive and, uh, lots of logistics to think through there. So one of the things you kind of touched on earlier is just in terms of your speaking model, you are, you're doing a decent amount of speaking, um, having obviously to travel quite a bit for it, but it sounds like half of the time you are being paid to be there. And it sounds like maybe the other half, um, you are either doing for free or you are paying to be there. Is that, is that the case that I understand? Yeah, that I've never paid. I've never paid the okay. organizer to speak. Got that it. model right. does exist. And I approve of that model yep. in the right circumstance. If you know that that's a good spend of your marketing dollars do it yep. i've never done that i don't okay. discount it i've just never done it Got normally it. it's been either an event that i really want to speak at because i love the audience or alternatively it's been because the organizer is a friend yeah and i yeah. And, and they have a good audience as well yeah i am trying to shift to cost neutral now so i had a conversation with a friend of mine who's hosting a conference of my ideal clients in san francisco in the fall uh, and I said, I'd love to come. And yes, I'll do it for you as a favor, but let's make this cost neutral. And by that, I mean, they're going to pay for my accommodation, my flights, and probably give me dinner as well. Cool. Very cool. Uh, all right. So I want to talk about um, one of the main things that you speak on is the topic of selling. And selling is one of those challenges for your face just lit up. People can't see it, but you got really excited. Uh, selling is a, a huge, huge challenge for speakers and entrepreneurs in general, but especially when it comes to speakers, oftentimes because we are the product, we are the thing that we're trying to offer. So if someone doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't quote unquote buy, it's not that they're rejecting the, you know, this, this third party widget or tool or, or product or whatever, they're rejecting us is oftentimes what it feels like. So why is it, do you feel like that speakers have such a difficult time selling themselves? Everybody has a difficult time selling anything, right? You have to be unusual or psychopathic to be a natural born salesperson. Either that or you have great levels of passion for an object which is typically not yourself, like the widget that you're selling or the company that you founded. Now for speakers, it's doubly complicated because we are the product. All right, so we've got two issues there. We've got natural reluctance to what we say in the UK, blow our own horns, which is say, look at me, I'm the greatest. Yeah. Coupled, which can compounds and actually square, degrees of magnitude, um, has, a, has, a, has an effect, two degrees of magnitude on the, the, the issue, the problem, which is I need to sell this thing, which is sales reluctance. So we've got sales reluctance coupled with natural good manners yeah. mean that we just say, well, I hope somebody will notice that I'm good enough. Now, the way to overcome sales reluctance, I believe, I've built a career on talking about this, so I really should be able to say it in a few sentences, but I can't. But one of the key things is exposure, right? If you walk up to 100 strangers in a shopping mall, let's say you're a personal trainer, and you say, hey, I'm running personal training sessions. I've got a promotion on at the moment. Would you like to come and do a session? You're probably going to get one or two people who say yes. Yeah. Right. Which means that you can sell. 
And you're also probably less afraid of asking the 101st, 102nd, 103rd, 110th, 200th person, right? right? So a little bit of exposure is necessary. I've always taught sales, even B2B, which a lot of speaking is, even though you're talking to an individual within the organization, you are talking to an individual. That an approach which is friendly and low key goes an awful lot further in the long term than throwing out a flyer, sending a speaker reel, sending them your rate sheet, telling them how great you are in the beginning. So I would recommend if you are serious about speaking and you can get access to leads, like a list of associations, a list of organizations, a list of conferences, that you pick up the phone or you send an email and you say, hey, I would love to explore speaking at your event. How do we make that happen? And that's it. That's it. I would start like that just to get over the idea that you have to do some kind of song and dance or big commercial pitch. You're going to get varied responses. You're going to get a 5% response rate perhaps or a 4% response rate from people saying, no, we're not interested. Most people will ignore you. Two or three people will say, Spend, send us a speaker reel and we'll see what we can do. Yeah. Dory Clark years ago said at a conference I attended, um, the journey to becoming a paid speaker is... Step one, nobody wants to hear you speak and nobody wants to pay you. Step two, people are happy to hear you speak, but they still don't want to pay you. Step three, people want to hear you speak and they're not averse to paying you. And step four, people want to pay you to hear you speak. Yeah. Right? I don't believe there's a way around that unless you have other mitigating credentials like you've climbed Everest, you've served in office, you've written a book yeah. um, or something like that. So... A great way to sell yourself as a speaker is through referrals. Referrals are the best source of sales lead. There is no lead you can get like a referral. A referral comes from somebody who's tried your product, who enjoys your product, who has um, experienced it recently and is making an introduction to a a friend of theirs, a trusted party, to say, hey, you should trust this person. You have this instant um, transfer of trust yeah. between the referee, the referral, and you. That's why I believe you should speak for free as much as you can, as much as you need to, in order to start to build up your trusted network of people who've said, hey, this girl is great, yeah. or hey, this guy is good, or we heard them for 15 minutes and they were the highlight. And you say, fantastic. Now, let me ask you this. If you know anybody else, or if you're attending any other conferences, or if you'd be prepared to write me a reference or introduce me to three of your friends, then let's do that. Anybody trying to make a living as a speaker overnight has to have relationships with people who can get them on stage. If, and I mean overnight, like otherwise you're going to work the hard slog. Right. How do you get on the bigger stages out of the blue? You have those mitigating credentials that we already discussed, or you have the relationships that will get you on the stage. Now, I'm not very good at many things, but I am quite good at keeping in touch with relevant and important people. In fact, yeah, yeah. I've got a you know free guide, five things you need to do every morning to get more clients in 60 days is the download that I've been offering for the last seven years is draw up a list of people and keep in touch with them because you never know when you might need a favor. And if you can spend your life building social capital by doing favors for these people, when it's like, hey, I would love to speak at your event. Well, Matthew, let's see what we can do. Right, right. Asking when you need something is too late. Right, right. 
All right. So you said so, several things there I want to touch on. So one, let's go back to one of the things you mentioned was just getting the ball started, which is a challenge for a lot of people in the, in the beginning. Speaking is very much a momentum business and you're just trying to get some momentum going when you're, you know, you're trying to push a boulder uphill that's just not moving. Uh, so one of the things that you can do, like you mentioned, is, is reaching out to potential event planners, uh, whether it's email or phone. Can you talk about the pros and cons for email versus phone and especially anything that you should or shouldn't be doing when you're doing that? Um, especially to a, a cold person where it's not a referral, you don't have a warm introduction. It's just, I know that this person has an event. They have no clue who I am, but I know that I would potentially be a good fit for their event based on what I know of it. I would like to reach out to them, but they have, again, zero context of who I am. Best practices for going about doing that? Yeah. Um, flattery and charm and delicateness. So it's not, hey, you're running an event. I would be the best thing for your audience with over 40,000 um, downloads of my podcast every week. Nobody talks about plumbing like me. Get me on stage and never regret it. It's like, okay, douche, get out of here. <laughs> right. Or you say, hey, I've heard fantastic things about your conference. I am Matthew Kimberly. I've spoken at this event. Oh, sorry, maybe you haven't got any, any events. I speak to or I have expertise in this particular area, I would be absolutely honored to come and serve your audience. Please put my name on the list for this year or next. That's it, I'd stop there. And, and like I said, you're gonna be expecting a 4% response rate in the beginning. Here's the, here's the thing though, Grant. Um, if you're just getting started and you wanna roll the ball up the hill, it's, I believe you have a choice of stages. Right, if you want to get your speaker chops, and if you want to get your network known, if you want to become known as a speaker, why depend upon other people's stages? Why not speak on your own stage? I think you should be doing that as well. It's something we teach in Book Yourself Solid, right? The speaking strategy says you speak to get leads, you speak to get customers, you speak to do marketing, you speak to get paid sometimes, but don't always think in terms of other people's platforms. If you need five people, 10 people, 30 people to give you a video testimonial for what a great speaker you are. The best way to do that is to invite 30 of your friends, choose them carefully. You know, your brother who never leaves his bedroom isn't going to be a very well-connected or useful person to give you a speaker testimonial. But if you do happen to know the local librarian, the head of the local chamber of commerce, the, uh, the newspaper journalist, invite five people to attend your lunch and learn, bribe them with a bottle of wine, and then capture their response on video afterwards. And all of a sudden, you can start to build up a very compelling speaker website, one pager, something like that, based on work that you've done rather than waiting to be chosen. This right. is what James Altucher would call choosing yourself. Right. So whenever it comes to like sending some of those initial emails or phone calls on an email, are you basically... Uh, like you mentioned, just kind of like, hey, here's what I can do. Let me know if you need anything. And you're just kind of leaving the ball in their court or should there be some type of call to action or try to set up a call with them? Or because it seems like, again, most of those are just kind of informational their emails of like, you know, if you ever need someone, I hope you think of me and it's just going to be ignored. Yeah. Like, no, Thank no you for bringing it up. Yeah, I should have said you should, you should never leave the ball in their court when it comes to sales, you know, even if that is prompting a, now this is a pure cold and cold outreach is the worst kind of outreach, yeah, yeah. right? If you can get a referral, if you can build a network, if you have to do it cold, it's so much harder. But yeah. if you happen to know one person who knows them in common, by the way, if you don't, now is the time to start. Yeah. If you think that one day you might like to speak on an association stage, get to know association members, get yeah. to know, do it now, do it today. Because cold is tough and horrible and nobody likes cold calling or yeah. cold email or anyone who says they, they 
do is lying. Yeah. So yeah, but you should never, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. So I would say, uh, dear Bob, um, you run a fantastic event from what I hear. Um, I saw last year you had a speaker on induction heating, uh, the year after the year before that you had a speaker on induction heating this year, I would love to be your specialist speaker on induction heating. Yeah. I've been in the industry for 15 years. Is there any way that we can make that happen? Question mark. Yeah. Right. Most people who aren't psychos are going to give you a yes or a no. Yeah. Or a thank you. Just giving them some reason, something to, uh, to reply to. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the golden rule of sales is follow up, follow up, follow up. So I think from a positioning point of view, cold is the worst one for a speaker because yeah. you become the sales person and really you want your agent reaching out or you want to be seen as the kind of person who has an agent, right. which is why relationships count for more. Yeah. But, but if you need to get the ball rolling, volunteer, speak. And don't forget, you know, the kind of stages that you'll be lucky to get at the beginning will be damp basement rooms in airport hotels that will have seven people up. Yeah. And suck it up or run for office. Right, right. Because then you get on the bigger stages quicker. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things... There's a lot of preciousness in the industry. I saw on Facebook today somebody who said they were lined up to do a TEDx gig. And uh, they, they got there and it wasn't what they had envisaged in yeah. their mind. And they'd been working so hard on it and they'd put so much emotional investment into it. And they had, um, you know, vision boarded this day and TEDx was everything. And I have thoughts about whether TEDx is everything or not. But I also, and she said, so the, the five of us who had agreed to do it got, you know, we had a heart to heart. We had a meeting. We all decided we weren't going to honor our commitment because we had to honor ourselves. Yeah. And, I, and they left and, and the event, I guess, was canceled. I had no speakers. And, and I read that and I thought that is just suicide for a professional speaker. What an entitled approach to getting a speaking gig. Yeah. You know, if you want to run your own event, run your own event. If, you, if you're lobbying to get onto somebody else's stage, you turn up and you don't like the smell in the room. Yeah. Well, that's your problem. But you are, as you know, Grant, you know, you, you do anything to make sure the gig gets done. That includes cutting your speech down to seven minutes if the previous guy is overrun and the president of the company has to jump on stage before jumping on his corporate jet. It also means trekking out to nowhere, Idaho, no offense to people in nowhere, Idaho, in the middle of winter to speak to seven people. Yeah, yeah. In a, yeah. In a damp room. So yeah, cut it up. I don't think, I think speaking is glamorous and, and, and luxurious and it comes with <clears throat> spotlights and footlights and headlights and headline, headline state, status, but it's a tough job. Yeah. Right? Very much so. I don't uh, need to. I'm preaching to the choir here. But no, well, I'm, uh, and I've got, I've got a couple of... And, and the point is, the point it relates to your question is work hard. And, and, and that means show up to do the small gigs. Start to build up your book of people who've seen you speak. Don't leave anything to chance. If they've enjoyed it, get it on the record. Yeah. Take their photo, get a video, get them to leave you a LinkedIn testimonial, whatever that is. Um, don't leave anything to chance, but don't try and do it overnight. And yes, if you have a list of 100 organizations that host events that you would love to speak at, of course you're going to contact them today because yeah. they might book you in seven years' time. Right. You, uh, you mentioned you have strong thoughts on TEDx. Uh, so I'm, I'm, tempted, <coughs> I'm tempted to ask, what are those thoughts? Well, it's not TED, is it? It's not. No. <laughs> Ted, Ted and TEDx are two vastly different things. I'm, my guess is our perspectives on it are probably very similar. Uh, 
Listen, yeah. I think it's great because anything which promotes speaking and idea sharing, I've got some totally. clients who I, I would do a TEDx tomorrow. I would do a TEDx tomorrow, no question. But it wouldn't be a major event in my social media calendar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's not... Um, uh, the, the speakers are people who just think like, I mean, if I could just do a TEDx talk, then my business is going to change. Like it just, it just doesn't work like that. It's yeah. a I think it's a, a, I think it's a great milestone for totally for, for people who are trying to get into the speaking industry. Yeah. It's probably similar to like, if you write a book, all of a sudden you're going to become this overnight success. Like it just, just doesn't work like that, you know? So, yeah. um, okay. So I want to ask you one of the things you said was one of the best ways, uh, to, to get business just in general, but especially for speakers is just referrals, whether that's referrals from clients you've worked with in the past or from other speakers. Um, but especially again, when you're getting started, it can become a little bit difficult for getting those referrals because it needs, the person that's giving the referral is putting their name and reputation on the line. Uh, and so like if I'm, if I'm a newer speaker and I'm going to an existing speaker, if I'm coming to you, Matthew, and I said, Matthew, any gigs you can't do, you know, that, that you can't fly out of Malta for whatever reason, like I'm your guy. Uh, if you recommend me, you're putting your own reputation on the line. So how can you build those relationships and that trust, especially with other speakers that may be able to refer you, but, but getting to the point where they feel comf comfortable and confident enough to be able to refer you knowing that you'll do a good job. Interesting. When I talked about referrals, I wasn't actually thinking about other speaker referrals. That's a massive uh, and, and important part of it as well. Yeah. I, was also, I was actually thinking about organizer and yep. attendee yep. referrals, Events. which yep. is super important. Yeah. I, I don't think you can expect any speaker to recommend you unless they've seen you. Yeah ever. I have now done enough gigs in small enough a pool of people that I've probably got gigs because somebody has said, I've heard Matthew was very good at this event in New York in January. Yeah. And then, but then somebody's going to do their due diligence, but I would never ever recommend a speaker. I have not seen speak. So what does that teach us about our behavior during our career as a speaker? Hang around and watch other speakers speak. Yeah. Right, watch their reels, maybe, but more importantly, watch them on stage. Sit in the front row, support them. I went to an event in Malta as an attendee. We had one. There were <laughs> the <whole country laughs> there were a few inter yeah, right. There were a few speak a few a few speakers were brought in internationally, including the head of the former former manager of the England rugby squad. Okay, and he gave this most incredible Clive Woodward his name. He gave this most incredible forty five minutes on leadership and management. And you know everybody who's everybody from the Maltese business community is sitting in the room at this stage. And he goes, any questions? Now, this is a cultural thing because you don't like to be seen to be the one asking questions in Malta because it suggests that you don't understand, right? So their teaching in the university is didactic rather than interactive. So literally no hands went up, apart from two guys sitting in the front row. Both of them put their hands up. Both of them asked a question. Both of them were up on stage next as the, as the day's next speakers. Right? <laughs> but I thought, what a beautiful example of supporting other speakers in the industry. Yeah. Right? What a beautiful example. So we should be supporting other speakers. It's the law of reciprocity and it exists and it's do as you would be done by and be done by as you did. If you expect yeah. people to refer you, why don't you see if you can refer them? If yeah. you see someone, if I, say, if I see you, Grant, absolutely crush it up on stage, uh, which I never have done. I've seen you. Uh, that's not true. I've seen you crush it on stage, but it's been like such a long time. It's been since yeah, yeah. San Diego years and years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we're going to jump on social media and we're going to say, hey, if any of you need a great speaker, Grant just crushed it. Yeah. Uh, and if, but here's the thing. You want to be very specific about what you're referring. I spoke to a friend of mine who's speaking at Copy Chief Live 
I think it's called Copy Chief Life. I have a program about writing emails and I've recently started speaking about writing emails. Uh, and so I spoke to a friend of mine, Laura Belgray, who also speaks regularly about writing emails. And I said, hey, I see that you're speaking at this event. Would you drop a word in the organizer's ear about my gig, about, about my keynote about writing copy for next year? And she yeah. said, of course, I'd love to. Why? Because she's seen me speak. And it makes sense. She's not necessarily going to go back the year after and deliver the same keynote to the same right. audience, right? right. Um, relationships are 100% of everything. I have got further than I deserve to get in life, not based on talent, not based on my accent, but based on relationships. Anyone who said, listen, Kimberly's going to be a safe bit for this, has only been able to say that because I've got out of my seat and I've got on a plane and I've gone to do that gig where people can see me and say good things about me. Right, right. Uh, so even on the referral standpoint with audiences or event planners, uh, is there anything that we can be doing to um, to generate more of those referrals? Because just because like you experience like a good product or service or speaker doesn't naturally, like the light bulb doesn't automatically go off. Oh, I need to tell such and such about this person. Yeah, right. um, so sometimes you have to kind of connect the dots there for people. And even like you said, with your friend uh, in, the, in the copywriting space of just asking her, hey, can you intro me to this person? Oh yeah, now that you mention it, of course I can. But I didn't maybe, I didn't think of that on my own uh, without you, again, kind of uh, dropping that in there. So. Uh, is there anything that, that a speaker can be doing from stage for event, or even off stage for event planners or for audiences to continue to generate more of those word of mouth referrals? To answer this question, I'm going to tell you about an ice cream shop in Italy. So I'm standing in an ice cream shop in Italy and the lady behind the counter is getting really, Okay, really, I got to really... pause you. I got to pause you here for a second. I'm going to make a complete side note here. I, so I talk about this a lot with the power of stories, okay? And right now you said you're going to tell us the story about an ice cream shop and we have no idea. I have zero clue where the story is going to go. This story could be funny. It could be sad. It could be depressing. It could be inspirational. It could be hilarious. I have zero clue but I'm hooked already, uh, as is the rest of the audience. So again, this is just to emphasize the power of stories. Continue. Tell us about the ice cream shop. Happy I'm excited. to give you a teaching moment, my friend. So I'm standing <laughs> in line in a, an ice cream shop, Gelateria in Italy, and it's busy. And the lady behind the counter is getting increasingly frustrated. And I said, what's up? She says, nobody's queuing right. We have, a, we have a metal pole in the middle of the store. You're meant to come in from the left, circle around to the right. People are coming in from the front. They're coming in from the back. They're coming under. They're crowding around. Why is nobody using the queuing system? And I said, well, perhaps if you told them that they were meant to enter from the left and follow around to the right, then they would do it. Why don't you put up a sign? And of course, I went back a couple of days later on my vacation and the sign was up. It was a handwritten sign that says, please queue to the left. And what do you know? The problem was solved because she left nothing to chance. Right. When you give very clear and very specific instructions, things are more likely to go your way. If you hold the door open for somebody and they don't say thank you, you may think they're rude. Right? You might say, well, what's matters? But we didn't have a written agreement or even a verbal agreement in advance that if I hold the door open, you will say thank you. So we get disappointed that we're not getting the results that only existed in our head yeah. and that we expected and hoped to get. So if we expect and hope to get referrals from the audience, if we expect and hope to get sales from prospects, if we expect and hope to get invitations to speak at gigs, you deserve 
all that you're going to get, which is probably nothing. But if you expect and hope and facilitate that by saying, if you've enjoyed hearing me speak, ladies and gentlemen, I would love to come and speak at your event. Uh, Maybe you can do this actually on the stage. Maybe you do it afterwards. Maybe you do it uh, directly or you do it indirectly. Maybe you do it during the event. Maybe you do it um, in an email follow-up, whatever that might be. You say, I've really enjoyed speaking here. I would love to speak at your event if you think that's appropriate. Come and grab my business card after the uh, gig is over and I'll be happy to show you how that happens. Yeah. Or um, if you're collecting written testimonials, let's say you've done a, a work, workshop style gig, um, do it before you close out the day. Give everybody yeah. a piece of paper and say, right, write your name at the top of the piece of paper. Write down three things that you were hoping to get out of today. Write down three things that you actually got out of today. Uh, thank you. And then fold it and pass it to the front. Right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for being here. You just collected 50 testimonials um, off, a, off a room of 50 people by leaving nothing to chance. If alternatively you were to say, okay, thanks ladies and gentlemen, we finished here today. Oh, and on your way out, if you'd like to give me a testimonial, I'd be very grateful. All right. How can we build an environment that makes the outcome that we want more likely to be received? And I think we could just be very explicit. And, and you ask with a smile on your face, Grant. Yeah. People don't say no, no to you for fun. People say no because they can't or they object. But often they don't say yes because they don't know that they're being given the opportunity to say yes. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, I loved it. Hey, did you like it? And would you mind giving me the name of three friends who might like it too so I can send them a copy? Right. Sure, I'd be happy to. Boom, boom, boom. It's, it's, it's a checklist. You've heard the checklist manifesto? I don't think so. The book, I, I can't pronounce all, in fact, to be fair, remember the name of the guy who wrote it, but his first name is Atul. Uh, and he did a study of um, how to diminish the number of dangerous incidents in hospitals during okay. surgery. And the answer is checklist. Yeah. Does, it, does everybody still have the same number of rubber gloves? on at the end of the surgery as they do at the beginning have we counted in all the scalpels and swabs and counted them back out again yeah have we checked that the patient's wearing a wristband that has the name on it of the patient we're expecting to see right has the leg that we're going to amputate been marked with a sharpie so that we know we don't take off the wrong leg yeah right. the checklist is how you counter lack of innate sales ability or sales flair it's did i ask these people yeah did I follow up? You know, there are people with far more successful speaking gigs or speaking careers than me who, who have really got this down to a fine art. If I was dependent upon speaking, booking speaking gigs to pay my bills, which yeah. I'm not, um, that this would be in the standard operating procedures. Yeah. After every gig, contact the four major people who are involved, record a video testimonial for them, ask them for feedback, get them to give you five names, uh, just leave nothing to chance. If you're deadly yeah. serious about it, you've got to approach it like any other business. Yeah. Yeah. I tell, I tell speakers all the time, like you are, as a speaker, you are, uh, yes, what you do from stage matters, but so much of what you also do is being a salesperson off stage and just being a good speaker is not good enough to so, build a, so a not successful good business. No, it's not good enough. I mean, I think I'm one of the best speakers I know. You're very good. I totally agree. You have a wry look on your face. You can't see this, ladies and gentlemen. But I think I'm very, very good speaker. But what I have never done, partly because of the geographical thing, possibly, I'm Uh not leaving this country. You know, my wife's family from here. That's a a decision that we've made. But um, were I in a, was I living in Chicago or, or Atlanta or something like that? I believe, and if I wanted to, I'd be on a flight 
two, three, four, five times a week. Uh, and I, I adore speaking. And if, if it was more practical for me, I would treat it as a business. And yeah. you're absolutely right. 95% of the time would be working on the business and 5% of the time would be delivering the product pretty yeah. much as it is for most service professionals. Yeah. I remember, here's what I remember whenever you spoke is, uh, is cause this was what, probably five, six years ago, we were both at a, an event and you spoke about, um, getting someone to sell you an apple for like 20 bucks or a hundred bucks or I something. S- I, s- I sold an apple. You sold an apple to a yeah, guy I took for a volunteer off the stage. Yeah. I uh, took, took a volunteer from the crowd and sold him an apple for like- It was like a 12-step process to sell, and it was so well done. Like it was so polished that by the end, you're just like, gosh, dang, he did it. Like it was, it was really, really good. So uh, yeah, quality speaker, quality human. Matthew, thanks for taking the time to, uh, to chat with us. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, uh, where can we go? Go to matthewkimberley.com. That's Kimberly L-E-Y at the end. Very good. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.